Hello everyone, Joe here. Hey, I just want to let you know that this week we are doing the podcast in video. So if you'd like to see that, click on over to www.stempunks.com and check it out. Here comes the audio from it. You know, STEM is all around us. The technology of the lighting, the engineering that went into making this razor, the math to cut these cabinets. But today, what I'm excited to talk to you about is the science of cooking. Come on, let's go. No, really, let's go. Welcome to STEM Punks. Welcome to STEM Punks. STEM Punks is a bi-monthly podcast intended to bring science, technology, engineering, straight to your ears from our STEM Punk studio. Hang on, we'll take you for a ride that includes a whole lot of fun and a little bit of education on the side. Stay tuned. Nice to be in orbit. <laughs> Welcome to a video version of the STEM Punks podcast. My name is Joe Garut and I will be your host. And with me as always is my buddy Stembot. Hello, Stembot. Hello, Joe. As you can see, Stembot is in the camera this week. And I'm really glad he is because he understands that technology better than I do. You know, as I mentioned, the reason that you're here is for the science of cooking. It occurred to me months ago while making pancakes that there's a lot going on in that simple breakfast treat. I make pancakes nearly every weekend for our twin eight-year-old boys. I put all kinds of things in there. I slip in nutrition and they don't even know it. I put in applesauce, yogurt, bananas, sometimes even flaxseed, and they just gobble them up because it tastes good. Well, one day while I was doing this, I had some thoughts that tickled me brain. Hmm, isn't applesauce a substitute for eggs? What's a binder? Is a square root really square? No, 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 that's a different episode. Obviously, I was curious about what things did, so I started to do some research and then I realized it would be way more fun if I could actually talk to a chef. Well, as soon as I told my co-producer, Michael Friend, that, he got me in touch with Susie Conklin. Let's go to that interview while I make some pancakes. But did you know that if you're going to put yogurt into your pancakes, that that's an acid? And your acid is going to kind of take a little of the carbon dioxide out of your baking powder unless you get some extra baking soda in there. So that's why we're here, is because we want to find out the science of cooking. Would you just introduce yourself, please? Okay, my name is Susie Conklin, and I uh, created the Wildflower Cafe in Mosier in 2001. After we sold it in 2006, I had Wildflower Chef Services, and I taught cooking classes here at dinner parties where I taught people Moroccan cooking, Indian cooking, whatever. So um, we, I sort of continued along the cooking line, but I've been cooking since I was 12 years old. That's one of the reasons I'm really excited to find out yeah. from you. You know, I, I learned about the carbon dioxide mm -hmm. and baking soda and baking powder right. and that sort of thing. But yeah. and that's it. And it's it's not something that I've I've delved in too much. But when but in baking, I'm very particular because in baking you really have to follow the recipe exactly. Put the flour in there, and you got to tap the top and mm -hmm. scrape it off level because a cup is a cup. Right. You that's know? right. And one of the 
beauties of making these pancakes is that I don't have to do it like that. Yes. I've got twin eight-year-olds, and when they help me do it, I have them measure, and they go in there, in. and they shake. I'm like, that's close enough to level. <laughs> yeah, Let's put right. it in there. It's it's a quick bread, yes. right? Yes. So that's, exactly. that's different, too. And that's different. Like, what are the components? There's a leavener. Mm -hmm. There's a binder. Mm -hmm. There's So what what are they? Okay. The leavener is the is what releases carbon dioxide, which causes things to rise. Um, and then yeast, for example, is another leavener, right? Because yeast is actual organisms that are activated with with liquid. And sugar. And really right? love sugar because yeah. that gets them to start eating the sugar and then they fart and create gas, which causes things to rise. Right. So leavening mm -hmm. basically is rising. Mm -hmm. So yogis, you know, try to levitate their body. Oh, yeah. And we use baking powder and baking soda to levitate pancakes. They just don't leave the pan though, they just levitate on the top. You start out with your flour mixture and your liquid mixture. So so basically the beauty of pancakes is you want it, when you're pre-measuring, you want to keep your liquid away from your dry. Um, I'm already doing this wrong. <laughs> because if you, add, if you add dry to liquid, you're going to get a whole bunch of lumps. If you add liquid to dry, then you're going to have a better incorporation. I do do that part right. <laughs> That's good. Um, so in that dry mixture, you're going to have your flour, your baking powder, and your salt. Now, if you're going to use buttermilk or yogurt, you want to put baking soda in there as well because you need that balance for your carbon dioxide. If you don't have the right balance, then that carbon dioxide will not work and things are going to be flat. Um, and then you put your liquid in another bowl, which is your eggs and your milk, and maybe some vanilla. Um, and then the other key to good pancakes is that you put the liquid into the dry, you just stir it. The more you beat it and mix it, the more gluten you're going to make. Oh boy, am I really doing this wrong. <laughs> so try it with just barely stirring it, and it's okay to have a few dry lumps in there because they will, with the release of the carbon dioxide, it'll pop those and those will just be incorporated into the, into the pancakes. The reason baking powder is called double acting baking powder is that it's activated the minute liquid hits it and then it's activated when heat hits it. So you're going to you're going to have a, a leavening activation once you put that liquid into your dry and then when you make your pancakes when you put them into the hot pan it's going to cause us the second double action. So I have a, a favorite book I want to show you. Uh, it's called it's called Kitchen Science and it, it, it's kind of it was done in 1980s, in the 1980s, and this was the revised edition. So this is quite old. How do you tell the difference between a hard-boiled egg and a raw egg? You spin the egg on its side like we did, and if it rotates smoothly with effortless grace. Ah, and obviously this did. It is hard cooked. And if it wobbles noticeably, <laughs> it is uncooked. But the wobbling occurs because centrifugal force continuously changes the raw yolk's position inside the egg, and so keeps altering the egg's center of gravity. And there you have it. And that's why I love this book. Yeah. Science. But science. You know, science, I know, but you know, this is pretty simple science. Um, we are in an era where anything new and innovative is exciting. Mm -hmm. And well, and we you refer to this as simple science, but right. it wasn't simple science at no, one time. it wasn't. Yeah, no, it yeah. wasn't. And, and, and we're just used to it now. That's right. And yeah. the French, of course, have made a science out of cooking for centuries. But, but the current new rage, as we know, is the impossible burger. Yes. And 
I think we ought to try one today. Really? Are you game? Oh, absolutely. I've been wanting to try them because they are truly a scientific non-meat. This is a case where they have taken food. They have taken the root of the soy plant. They have extracted the molecule. They have taken that and put it into yeast. And they've created an artificial hamburger that looks like hamburger, it tastes like hamburger, and if cooked medium rare and thick enough, when you cut into it, it will actually release red juice. I can't believe that we have this little place right in the Hood River Valley that's offering it. It's totally yeah. exciting. Twin Peaks Drive-In, and that's where we're going to go. But before we do that, let's talk just a little bit more about heme. Heme is an iron-containing molecule found in every living organism, both plants and animals. Impossible food scientists discovered that the meaty flavor of beef is due to the abundance of heme in animal muscle. Heme is exceptionally abundant in the animal tissues that we call meat, and is what gives meat its uniquely craveable taste. The Impossible Burger gets its heme from the protein soy leghemoglobin, which is naturally found in soy roots. They added a gene from those roots to a strain of yeast similar to the one that has been used for making Belgian beer for nearly a thousand years. So Impossible Foods produces soy leg hemoglobin through genetic engineering and fermentation, a very sustainable method. Now why is this important? Well, raising livestock for food is responsible for 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions, which is as much as every car, truck, bus, ship, airplane, and rocket combined. And it consumes 25% of the world's fresh water. 25%. Raising livestock at the current scale also contributes substantially to greenhouse gas emissions and increases deforestation. Now, in terms of real-life impacts, switching from just one cow-based burger to one Impossible Burger spares the emissions of about 18 miles worth of driving, about 25 days worth of drinking water, and about 75 square feet of land. Of course, now you must be asking, how does it taste? Let's find out. With Twin Peaks Drive-In, and we're with the owner, Eric Eide. And uh, Eric, we wanted to come out and check out why you want to bring in the Impossible Burger. We're a burger place. Uh, of course, not everybody eats meat, so it was a excellent choice to allow for a vegetarian option. It fits perfectly with our menu. Uh, it's very easy to substitute with any of the specialty burgers that we offer here at Twin Peaks. It certainly is a, a trend that is growing. I'm sure we're one of the first small diners in the country to actually have brought it in. So those are some of the reasons. Well, this is exciting. It looks like a hamburger. It definitely looks like a hamburger. And uh, listening to it uh, sizzle on the grill mm -hmm. and smelling it in there, I think we just need to eat. Okay, well, All sure. right. I'm going to cut into mine. Wow. It's like a hamburger. I guess that's the goal, right? Which is great. Well, it is because, you know, being a vegetarian, I'm really never satisfied with veggie burgers because I miss the meat. You know, I miss the feel, the mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can't say that this tastes like a hamburger, but it's as close as I've ever... I mean, it's so much closer than with a veggie burger, which is all the or 
their bonzo beans or something that it's, it's incredible. They do. They taste like a combination of rice and beans almost with right. some flavor. Yeah. But this really does resemble meat. Well, I can't wait any longer, Susie. I've got to try mine. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a burger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I just sat down and nobody said anything, right. I would, that's a burger. Mm -hmm. It tastes fantastic. This is another example of science turning into art. Right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's real science because of the fact that they're taking that that gene, you know, and putting it into yeast. I mean, it's actual science, food science, which is really, really great. Should we cut these up and share? Wow. Yeah. Impossible, isn't it? It's it is. insane. Now we're having something that's very exclusive to Twin Peaks Drive-In, and uh, they take that burger, the Impossible Burger, and put it in a taco. Well, you know, we started out talking about this because right. we were making pancakes, mm -hmm. had to come down and try this, <laughs> and I think this was a success. You can kind of imagine the tourists coming through and coming in and going, Look, Fred, they have the Impossible Burger. That's right, that's right. <laughs> well, despite the fact that I thought my pancakes were pretty tasty, I took Susie's advice and mixed them a little differently. I mixed my dry ingredients separately, and then I mixed my wet ingredients. Then I added the wet to the dry, folding it in gently, trying not to overwork the flour and increase the amount of gluten bonds. Now, I don't want any dense pancakes. Now you can see them cooking here. Susie's folded methods on the left and my mixer methods on the right. They cooked very similarly. However, my mixer pancake took a little longer to form the carbon dioxide bubbles that make it light and fluffy. So I think folding it in did make a difference and the science supports that. I've just got to say the Impossible Burger was simply amazing. An incredible amount of technology went into the creation of it. The positive impacts on our planet and our health is really exciting. Now, to recap a bit of our journey today, we learned that eggs act as a binder to hold ingredients together, flour adds structure by creating gluten bonds, leavening agents like baking powder and baking soda release carbon dioxide, which adds lightness, milk and other liquids add moisture. I was excited to explore the science of cooking, and I know that this show barely even touches on the vast amount of information out there, but I've included links in the show notes for you to explore whatever excites you. Now, all that is left is to say goodbye, Stembot. Goodbye, Stembot. Thanks for watching the Stempunks podcast. <laughs>